Hi people and hi my Chili Con Carnage crew, it is Chili here and I have brought a guest onto this episode, I have Wazza with me. Hi Wazza. Hi, how you going Chili? <laughs> it's great to have you on for another episode really, this is a special episode that we have. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so for this episode, listeners, of course if you couldn't tell by the title of this, we are going to be checking over the Santana discography and we're going to be ranking them. Uh, not from best to worst, we're going off the scale that I have here on screen, which you can see. If you can't see it on screen at the moment, but it is six tiers, ranging from pure spice down to jalapeno levels. So, of course, we're going to go through these albums. We're going to talk a bit and have a listen to some of the tracks here as well. Make some notes and um, maybe make some enemies. Maybe this uh, is a couple of albums that you might like, but don't take it personally. This is just... Really an opinion on music, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion when it comes down to it. So, was we were just discussing off-air, you've seen Santana twice. Yep. You managed yep. to catch the magic that is. Yep. Great guitarist, of course, with Santana. You've been a fan for many decades now. And really, what we're going to do is go in reverse, because, of course, some of the biggest stuff that he made was some of his earlier records. Mm. Mm. Have you had a chance to listen to his recent album uh blessings and miracles yes i have yes i mean one of the one of the big advantages of streaming music these days compared to you know when i first started listening and collecting and buying um was that it does give you the opportunity to actually go in and listen to an album you know without that financial purchase uh you don't own it you know you're, you're kind of hiring your music Mm. So it does allow you to go in and have a couple of listens and think, yeah, okay, I'm going to put that on my playlist or let's um, let's put that aside <laughs> yeah. and move on to the next album. It was definitely a thing back about oh, 15, 20 years ago now that if you were going to go out and buy a record, you were dedicating yourself to listening to that record. Mm. Now with streaming, it's kind of diluted it a bit and that's a different discussion for later, but it does allow you also to discover many artists that you may not have covered or been able to afford if you didn't like records, of course. Yeah, and go back and listen to the back catalogue. Oh, yes. You know, um, albums of artists that you really like, but you thought, look, I've got three or four albums from this artist. I don't want really to um, uh, purchase any more. I'll, I'll skip that one and maybe listen to it if a friend buys it. Yes, <laughs> very true. <laughs> so, sent, uh, we have this. Re- uh, sorry, we have this recent one, "Blessings and Miracles." The most recent album came out just last year. I covered it also in a five-minute review. I'll have the link up here, of course. Uh, but what did you, what do you think of this recent album? Look, it's it's in similar style and and mode, I suppose, to what Santana has done for many, many of his albums over the last 20-plus years um, with a lot of guest artists. Yes, very true. Um, and um, it's a good set. It's a good set. I didn't put it on a high repeat or anything, but I enjoyed listening to it. Um, it blends a bit into the background as well, again, like many Santana albums, but it also has a lot of, uh, I guess, the more popular, upbeat kind of music that we've come to expect from Santana in the last 20 years or so. Definitely. I think, I don't know about you, but I've found this to be maybe one of his better records of the past 20 years. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I do, I mean, I do like it, but um, as I said, it wasn't a high rotation album, and because mm. I guess it's a fairly recent one, or 2021, 
Um, I haven't listened to it a, a great many times, probably half a dozen times, but um, it's a enjoyable album to listen to. Yes, yes, it still is pretty good there. Hmm. Um, there are some great tracks here. It, like you said, obviously, it follows his pop sound that we have heard, uh, which he hadn't actually done in a few albums, in the, or at least in the most recent albums. So it's back to his style of Supernatural, I guess. What were the title tracks that you figured were the best ones here? Um, well, of course, I liked Wider Shade of Pale. I mean, that was an album. That was a track from from my you know, from my era, from almost. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting, yes. you know, we just lost Gary Brooker recently, the original singer who oh, sang... Oh, from Harem Protocol. Harem. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Wider Shade of Pale with Steve Winwood. That's an interesting combination. Um, he's got a you know, voice that I think suits that song. Um a few other tracks. I, I I like the song for Cindy. Um, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there was like Santana Celebration. I think the second one there, which is pretty energetic as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even the Ghosts of Future. They weren't they weren't yeah. too bad for intro outro uh, yeah. songs. He gets his name into a lot of the songs. He does. <laughs> yes. He's doing a lot of self promotion. I'll do, I'll do the same. Come on, keep watching that episode. <laughs> but he there was also a few tracks there. Sorry, he also has a lot of he also has some of his family I think on here. Yes. There's one or two tracks with his sons and daughters or whatever mm. in there. And of course, um, the Angel Choir all together, which features Chick Corea, who we lost last year, I think. Um, and Carlos Santana has worked quite a bit with Chick Corea, the jazz pianist oh um, i didn't know that and okay. um they ha- actually did um there's a live album of them at uh the jazz festival the montreux the montreux jazz festival um, i think i had seen that one and featuring i was going to mention carlos santana and it's you know basically a santana concert but he's joined by chick career and john mclaughlin and a whole lot of others and uh and they did a great rendition of uh in a silent way the uh, miles davis track mm. Yes, yes. Very good live album there as well. Do check that one out. Hopefully I have it on screen now for you to have a look at. The album had a few misfires, I feel, with tracks like She's Fire and uh, Rumbolero, which did feature Salvador Santana. He actually makes a mention in part two, by the way, of this thing. But um, yeah, look, there were a few tracks there that just felt a bit, you know, and... Didn't really fit with me. Uh, I know G Easy and Dion uh, Warren. Just I don't know. It's, it's too polished pop. It's it's just not a good mix to me. Um, but like you said, I guess there were a lot of good tracks still. To yeah, cover some of it this. didn't really stand out as Santana kind of brand tracks, you know. Uh, um, and as a criticism, I've got of a lot of his material in the last couple of decades um, that. In fact, it sounds to me like some other bands put together a track, mm. played a track, and he's just come in and overlaid the guitar. Yeah, actually, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> and if you took the guitar off, you know, if you had a mixing board and say, okay, let's let's take the guitar off, what's it sound like? Does it sound any different? I'm not sure. No, you're, you're not wrong there. For example, I guess on Peace Power, which is probably the most political song I've heard out of a Santana record, because you wouldn't really rate him as a political rock musician. And this one comes in, and I can't remember the lyrics off the top of my head now, but it was very, very in your face in regards to the message that it was portraying, obviously, I think in regards to the Black Lives Matter, I could be wrong there, but yeah, it was just the most political song for a Santana album, which is typical, you know, um, easygoing, laid back kind of tracks, 
So, yeah, there were a few tracks there. Um, like we said, I think we've covered this. It's a very good uh, album with a few tracks that kind of fell off the radar a bit. It feels like a legacy record to me at parts uh, with his children being mm. in there. Uh, it. What do you think about the direction? Do you think it's fine? Do you want him to continue in this direction or do you want him to go somewhere else? Uh, look, I think he's this guest artist um, singer. And I know... I mean, Carlos Santana doesn't really sing much himself. He has occasionally done vocals, um, but yeah. um, it's he's had a you know changing lineup. Of course, I mean, uh, if you were to draw a chart, and I know people have done this of Santana bands over the years. I mean, it's just a constantly moving ship. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't have just the one singer. He'll have other guests come in and sing. Yes, it's okay, but I would like some paired back real Santana Latin American jazz groove that he do- has done over many years so yeah well. rather than his sampling of a well him putting a guitar track over the top or yeah. something yeah yeah sure yeah. this is fine but it's probably not the direction I guess that we would want it to be in mm. I was thinking you know what there's probably if he was going to keep pairing off with musicians I think it's better off he pairs off with musicians who are probably more suitable to his role and one of the ones I was thinking of, and I mentioned as well in the review, would be someone like Oscar Rodriguez, who was a guitarist for the Mars Volta. Very good guitarist. Mm. You know, and obviously, um, there's they could just work together and just blow our minds, I reckon. They could probably write a 20-minute jam song. I know that Oscar Rodriguez does a lot of that with his music. Uh, so I can imagine, you know, if he worked with his contemporaries in the field rather than leaning too much on this pop area... There could be a very interesting record that they could do. Yeah, sometimes it seems to me like he's just trying to rope in the more um, you know recent artists to broaden his market, which uh, you know is a, pra- is a practical thing to do. I mean, it's, mm. uh, a lot of artists have done that over the. Uh, sorry, we just lost recording for a second there, but this, yeah, this concept. this concept of guest artist, um, you know, it's been around forever, but mm. it certainly seems to have been prevalent. In the last few years, with a lot of, um, I guess, sixties and seventies artists getting other artists to join them on their, on oh. their, um, on their albums. I mean, Santana themselves have been guests on people. Uh, they did a, a one with John Lee Hooker. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I covered this also in a, the Supernatural retro review. That after Santana did Supernatural, they called it doing a super. Uh, sorry, doing a Santana, yeah. where you would do a record and have a whole bunch of guest appearances on mm. there. And it revitalized the careers. A lot of 70s and 60s artists even doing that throughout the uh, well, noughties and up till now. Hmm. Hmm. So, overall, how do we feel on the rating? Look, I rated this um, a 3 out of 6, which on your um, scale would be a, a ghost. A ghost pepper? Is that yeah, right? That's correct. <laughs> 3 out of 6. That's the same rating I got with a ghost pepper there. So, I'm very happy in making this album at the ghost pepper level. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Here we go, everyone. Blessings and Miracles, Ghost Pepper Level. Okay, people. Now we move on to the next album with Africa Speaks, the 2019 release. Now, this was recorded only in a few days, and to me it kind of shows in some of the places. What do you think in regards to this album? Look, when I started listening to this one, it got me quite excited because I thought the opening track was going back to some really good Santana, you know, I guess their heyday, their 60s, 70s um, kind of work. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it cut short. <laughs> that, yeah. that track. It's like, You're not wrong. <laughs> it's like they started the track and they got halfway through it and someone said, whoops, or they just said, we don't have enough space on the disc. <laughs> no, no, sorry, that's a Braxis. We can't yeah. do that. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it was, I was disappointed with that. Um, and I, after listening to the whole album several times, no other than that, perhaps that opening bars, nothing really stood out. Mm. It wasn't a bad, I mean, look, I don't think, there's hardly really an album of Santana's I'd say was bad, but it's not a nothing stands out. It it kind of blends together, which is good. I mean, a lot of Santana albums did that. You know, one track led almost into the other track, um, but it blends together in a kind of um, forgettable um, array. You know, it's not something you'd again you'd want to go back and listen to. Yeah, definitely. I didn't put this on a frequent play. I you know just listened listen to it a few times when it first came out, and listened to it a couple of times just recently for this session. But um, but you know it's it's almost one continuous track, which is good, but uh, innovative, I guess, uh, as Santana has done that kind of thing. But it's one continuous, fairly music. <laughs> yeah, you track. you are not wrong there. It's definitely something that'll meld together, and a scary thought actually regarding this. As I said, it only took a couple of days coming together the band when they recorded this, but they actually recorded forty nine tracks. Wow, <laughs> you know, and that to me that kind of screams okay. That's a bit scary to think of. Either the ju- either the creative juices were flowing, or um, you guys were probably just recording everything and anything that came to mind. <laughs> Now, the 20th anniversary version of this will be very interesting when they release the 6-CD version, I imagine, of the album. This is actually produced by Rick Rubin, who I do like. He does, he's a very good producer, and the quality is fine. The quality is actually quite well. Mm. Um, but I, I just, I'm just a bit surprised, I guess, by the fact that Rick Rubin, known to push musicians you know, a little bit, uh, didn't really push Santana in too much of a, a, a change. You know, it's, it's nothing too drastic from his previous stuff and it's a little bit i guess disappointing yeah it seems to me that they're in some little comfort zone and they're not really wanting to step outside outside that they're just um you know having i mean it does it does sound to me like it was almost you know you can see it probably was all recorded fairly close in time just the sounds and the as i said the way it ran together i thought was good Mm, but mm. um innovative perhaps but not really um you know it's a bit bland yeah no no definitely such there uh there is the spanish singer uh, i'm gonna mispronounce this i think buica uh who sings most of the songs and that that does pay off as well because having the same singer throughout the album obviously it does a nice job keeping it in continuity but like you said that also has melded the tracks together unfortunately the album uh, is restrictive in style, I'd say, and stays within its limits, maybe due to the 10 days that it was recorded in. Do you think, were there any particular tracks that you thought stood out? Oh, as I said, the first track, Africa Speaks, reached out to me, um, and I thought, oh, this is going to be good, but the rest of it kind of blended together. Um, Blue Skies, I thought, was was interesting. Um mm. But not, nothing really else. It was. Uh, it's a nice album. It's something you can put on the background while you're having dinner. Yeah, it's definitely. Not, not invasive. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's safe music. Yeah, 
It's not nothing in your face. too crazy. And you know, I as I've mentioned before, I like, I like jazz, so it had a certain jazz kind of feel, you know, that kind of. Uh, and of course, many of the world's best albums were created in a couple of days. That's fine. I mean, look at some of the. Oh, jazz that's very. Albums, um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, Iggy Pop's produced yeah, an album over the course of one Miles night. Day was kind of blue. I think it was recorded in just a couple of days, and that's been one of the biggest selling jazz albums mm. of all times. Um, you know, Nothing wrong, bands. of course, but there's also been a lot of terrible albums that have been recorded over the course of yeah. very short periods. There's been some albums that are terrible that have been recorded over months. <laughs> or years. <laughs> Looking at you, Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Good one. Chinese Democracy, only 14 years. <laughs> but no, you're not wrong there. Um, I had probably two tracks that stood out for me were Blue Skies, uh, which had particularly good guitar work, hmm. and Breaking Down the Door. Yeah. For me, those are two tracks that stood out. Lost Invisibles or Los Invisibles is just plain awful. Mm. I just did not like that new style that they approached on that one. Uh, but other than that, this is an odd album title, I guess. Uh, as the band is, Santana is like he's a Mexican. I, I don't know how to approach this. It's, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a guess it's Muzak in the end. Yeah, yeah. You know? It sounds like a... Well, it sounds like a couple of their albums which almost seem like contractual obligation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. What would you give the rating of for this album, you reckon? Oh, look, I'd probably still go for a three. I mean, I find it hard to, you know, put a Santana album below mm. at least 50%. So, you know, it goes pepper, but it's just struggling. Okay, okay, interesting. I would have actually listed this as a Thai chili, mm. given it a two out of six, just because it's meh. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, as I said, I I probably rated it as a uh, ghost pepper because I just thought, well, um, I couldn't. I find it hard to rank a Santana album. Yeah, that low. Under, under that low mm. part. There is actually one other note I did note. Uh, the point I was just saying before is it's an odd album because Carlos Santana is obviously Mexican. The guest musician is a Latin and jazz musician born in Spain. And yet the album is regarding Africa. Mm-hmm. And what I was trying to think of before was they could have jammed with some Zamrock bands mm. because in the 80s there was a really weird... Uh, sorry, in, sorry, in the 80s there was a rock scene coming out of Zimbabwe in particular, uh, Zimrock. And there's, some, there's quite a few big artists actually that came out of that area. Okay. Yeah. I can't name them off the top of my head, sorry. I'm sure I will put some up now on the video, but it would have been interesting, I guess, to say, hey, Santana's doing an album called Africa Speaks. Do you guys want to come in for one or two tracks and record, you know? Um, because, like I was saying, they're, they're, it was a very different rock style. You know, I wouldn't mm. say it's reggae, but it kind of flows with the reggae style. And, yeah, it would have been very interesting, I guess, if they brought in some African musicians in particular, because I know that they've done this on previous albums, which we will come across in a few moments. So, Africa Speaks comes in. Uh, we'll say with Thai Chili, I'll overrule it and say Thai Chili at the end. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Alright, we are up for the next album here, which is In Search of the Mona Lisa, the EP that he released in 2019. This EP was inspired by his first viewing of the Mona Lisa all the way back in 2016. Here we have this five tracks. So what do you uh, think of this uh, short EP that came out of Santana? 
That's pleasant. Um, it's three tracks with the two tracks repeated again, shorter versions, the radio versions <laughs> yep. or something. Um, yep. It's a, I, I, I do like longer tracks, uh, and so the, you know, the, the, one of the, the first track was um, you know, quite a lengthy track. Do you remember me? Yeah, I think it was like a 10-minute song Nine, overall. 10 minutes, yeah. Um, Which is probably the I, long, one of the longest songs he's definitely recorded, yeah, not live anyway. And I think it gives um, an artist chance to stretch out a bit more. Um, I mean, obviously some artists just fill it, you know. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I thought it was good. Mm. Um, didn't really stand out again. Um, one thing I have to say, though, and, and this applies to just about all Santana albums, is that their cover work is an art form in itself. Very true, <laughs> yes. If you look at you know, Africa Speaks and Blessings and Miracles, in fact, probably just about any Santana album, with the exception of a couple where there's just a photograph <laughs> of Carlos Santana, yeah. um, their artwork is just brilliant, you know, and that's... That attracted me. I mean, I, when I saw this as a new release, you know, you, the, even without knowing it was Santana, and they've got the name clearly on the front, but mm. um, it just uh, is an eye-catching piece of artwork. Yeah, which, um, it's very easy, a vibrant picture, of course. Here we are looking. I'm just staring at it now, looking at my notes. And it's a very nice... You know, the, a lot of people say don't judge a book by its cover. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's very easy to judge it by this is this is going to catch my attention. This is going to make me go, oh, I want to look into this. Makes me miss long playing records in a way because when you do buy them, you get a much larger cover. <laughs> oh, very true. I'm sure this will be available on vinyl somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is too. Probably about double the price that it would be on oh, a CD. I Vinyls will be about fifty dollars. I bet you this will be worth seventy. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's an EP I mean, with three you, tracks. <laughs> even if you bore it with a CD, yeah, as a CD, the cover is obviously a lot smaller. But um, yeah, but no, I do, I did, did think the, the the cover was very good. But yeah, look, the album or the EP was pleasant. I wonder why it wouldn't have been stretched out, particularly seeing your earlier comments about Africa Speaks, where they recorded forty nine tracks later that year. Um, yeah, very Why true. they wouldn't have made an album out of it. Is this just the leftover from something else, or did he just suddenly decide, look, I'm going to go in and do uh, something about Mona Lisa? Yeah, yeah. Maybe this was just something that might have been a leftover, because it was also their first album with Rick Rubin. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing that maybe during those sessions, he was a bit, I don't know, probably doodling around with his guitar one day and just said, oh, you know what, I wouldn't mind doing an album like this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and look, I mean, it's really, you know, for the 10-minute track, the first track... Uh, really good it's really uh hmm. it's a fa it's a fantastic soundscape that i guess that it creates with that you know uh and fantastic overall really hmm. uh, it kind of actually you know what the first the first track seems to be more like 70 santana than ever hmm. it's a slow jam piece you know it's it's a nice slow sorry it's a nice slow jam piece overall of that song yeah, in fact, it's much better than the edited version. I prefer the longer version. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Some songs you listen to, and you think, "I wish they had just had an edited version." Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not wrong. Yeah, so it's a very yeah very short. It's a very short EP. Very nice EP, of course, as well. Though maybe it is a little bit pop orienta pop orientated, I should say. Uh, but it, this this is a nice direction. I love it. Yeah, yep. you know, it's just fine. So we have our uh, producer just stepping over some notes here, just checking on our recording <laughs> at the moment. Just making sure... Shout of the talking order. cat. Yeah, shout of the producer has checked on us. And uh, yeah, obviously we're just dribbling, dribbling on now about the Mona Lisa record. But what would you give the rating, I guess? Uh, 
This is probably edging towards a four. I mean, it's hard to rate a you know, right, like basically it's three tracks. Um, mm. um, but those three tracks, I I would give a Carolina Reaper. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Then I'd give a four out of six. You know, it's between a three and a four. Okay, yeah. You know what? I'll lean to. I I did note down Ghost Pepper, and probably that was because of the length only, but. I'll ignore the length on this one. I'll go with you and put a Carolina Reaper, uh, Carolina Reaper on there. Yep. Okay, that was a nice one to get through. Okay, and on to the next one here, which we have Santana 4, the Fable 2016 release with most of, I guess, the original lineup from back in the 70s here. And for me... This is the album I was dreading to review when we when I came up with this concept. It was such a hard one. I was looking over all the notes of all the other albums, and this one I just felt like I had a bit of a writer's block in regards to doing it. It was a little bit hard to tackle at first. Because I guess the my first initial listens, I found it bloated and a long album, and I didn't really appreciate it back then. So I for years ignored the album you know and I just thought no this is okay it's interesting they got the band back together for an album but this wasn't the album I was quite expecting and I imagine that's probably the same with a fair few uh, Santana fans what about yourself in regards to this part of it yeah well this was an album that uh, I I own Uh, in fact you bought it for me (laughs) Mm, I remember buying that one and um, so I listened to it quite a bit and of course it was a highly anticipated album when when i heard that the that santana were reforming their their band from the first three studio albums that they did um minus one member who couldn't make it um or they didn't want him to be there yeah um, i think he was in jail at the time i think he might have been near in or just about out but um but in, in any case uh, they didn't want to um involve him but yeah very and very much anticipated album a little bit disappointing in that respect, um, you know, from the point of view that I was expecting, I suppose, another Abraxas. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a bit too anticipated, yeah. highly anticipated for what um, was to come. Yeah, so I I thought that this, some songs that I found a bit trite, uh, if that's the right word, some of the lyrics and all that for a bunch of 60-year-old men getting yes. together and singing about you know oh almost, yeah come and sit on my lap yeah. little girl or whatever and i was like yeah. wait 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 what i yeah. mean <laughs> i thought they must have bought that other guy back um yeah but you know um it just i don't know it, it seemed like they were not only re- reforming the band from the 70s but the band themselves thought they were back in the 70s yeah. <laughs> yeah, instead no, of you're, yeah. playing the elder statesman kind of thing of rock music um yeah yeah they kind of brought back some of the themes of the 70s that you kind of forgot about almost yeah and i thought some of the tracks were a bit unbecoming of a band of the status or stature of santana um but it, having yeah. said that though i mean i was really pleased to hear them back together and you know the neil sean and the others were still, you know, making a great contribution. It was, a, it's a good album. It's a good album. Yeah, yeah. Look, despite the namesake, this style isn't Santana of old. It does have a lot of influences from Neil Sean, who, of course, back in the day, um, don't know how much of an influence he had back on the uh, albums of Young, younger days, I should say. But he definitely had a lot of impact in regards to the guitar work. 
Now, Neil Sean, in his later career, has obviously changed his style a fair bit, become something different, I think. Didn't he form Asia, I think? Journey? Journey, Journey. Yeah. That was the band. Mm. Um, and even into his 90s solo career and beyond, uh, has quite the formidable style, but is nothing like Yeah, he's Santa. gone into more of a, a jazz guitar style uh, probably hard rock jazz kind of thing yeah. jazz fusion I suppose depending on which album yeah, you're looking at which album, Beyond the Thunder which is an album that I've got and I love it um, that's a nice instrumental um, one which I guess you could almost compare to say the White Cliffs of Dover's Eric Johnson yeah it's um, a really that's a really good or album or even Aldemiola uh, Miola. yeah Aldemiola yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've also seen the live um, recording of this band playing in 2016 and 2017. I've I've got that as well. And for that's Santana Four, yeah, okay, yeah, them doing a concert. You know, obviously mainly featuring the material from Santana. the first three in this album. Um, yeah. And Neil Sean comes in a bit about the third or fourth track. He's introduced by Carlos Santana because in actual fact, he didn't play on the first one or two Santana albums. Correct. He, he was on the third on He did come into the third. I think and, it was the uh, third. Uh, I think he was only on for about two albums, actually. He was, yeah. And he, he's very young. I mean, he was only... 19. Um, 19, yeah. And mm. I believe that at the same time, about, what was that, 1970 or something, he was also supposed to be uh, asked by Eric Clapton if he wanted to be part of the Derek and the Dominoes ensemble. So oh, um, right, okay. obviously his reputation, his name uh, was well known. And um, I haven't listened to a lot of Journey, but um, and the stuff I have listened to doesn't really <laughs> tick a box for me. But I, it's uh, a unique style. Come on now, here we go again. <laughs> da, 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 da. It's very 80s arena rock. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. you know, look, if you don't like arena rock, yeah. then it's not for you. I do like Journey, though. Uh, but I and imagine, like, the police, they were kind of more of a singles band. Yeah. And Neil Sean, of course, worked a lot with Paul Rogers from Free and Bad Company. And uh, uh, I've got yeah. a, I've got a CD of Paul Rogers uh, doing Hendrix, the Hendrix set, it's called. It's pretty hard to get set. I don't think it's available on streaming or anything. Okay. Um, it's only six tracks, but it's live, and it's uh, six Hendrix songs. Yeah, right. With okay. Neil Sean playing uh, the Hendrix style, and he does that just so well. Okay, yeah, interesting. <laughs> I'll uh, have to do a little bit of re research when I do the editing of this episode and check on that part mm. there. Hopefully I'll put something on the screen and Well, I've got the CD, that. so... <laughs> there we go. But I found that Neil Sean's influences were definitely felt throughout this album compared to the previous ones that he was part mm. of. You know, tracks like uh, Blues Magic and Forgiveness, you can hear his guitar soul yeah, style. Yeah, Blues Magic sorry. was a standout track for me. Yeah, I loved uh, Forgiveness as well for me. It was a great track. And you can definitely hear his guitar style being, you know, uh, played out, I guess. Yeah, and it blends really well with Carlos Santana. Um, yeah, he does. Style. He does complement his style. Hmm. You know, when when I, you know you think a journey, and that's completely different to what Santana could be, but at the same time, it can be also very similar to what Santana yeah, some could semblance. be. You know, Santana, he he can do so many styles, and Neil Sean is a guitar who could definitely play several styles, and you know, this is another fine album. Uh, that showcases their abilities, both of them, to play several styles and bounce off each other, which they did, despite the fact they've probably not seen each other in decades, or yeah. at least jammed together, I should say. They 
seemed to be gelling quite well, the whole band. You know, not great, but incredibly well for a band that probably hadn't jammed together in decades. Well, Carlos Santana certainly chews through band members. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I don't know where on what terms he is with many of his ex-band members, no, but I obviously uh, this band was on good enough terms to reform and, and play. Mm. And I I knew it wasn't going to be a permanent thing. I mean, he's gone back to his Yeah, more he's gone standard straight back band, to the other but, one. Um, but it was still uh, a very you know, welcomed album. It was interesting to hear the guys. It would have been, would have been great if they had undertaken a major tour I, I certainly would have gone to see them again yeah, yeah. if they came out the tour for Santana <clears> for <throat> that would definitely I, would, I mean that like you said you'd get most a, of the band that would have been serving most of the original uh, album sorry most of the original albums they would have played through as well it would have been great to see that yeah you know? even with the change of style with this Santana 4 album I still enjoyed it for what it was yeah it's not a bad album it's just don't expect it to be a representation I guess of the Santana of old. No, you know no. this is uh, this is Santana of the 21st century. From the, this is the 70s era of the Santana in the 21st century played out. You yeah. know, yeah. so any standout tracks? Any other sorry standout tracks? I should oh, say? I'd like Blues Magic. Yeah, I thought that was um, probably the standout track for me. Mm. Um, um, Phil Reese I've got written as a track that I like too uh, that's probably just more noting that you know they played a lot of the they, Fillmore they East they did a lot and, of the um, Fillmore East I know and Fillmore West of course in San Francisco Fillmore East is in New York but um, oh that's what I was thinking of Fillmore mm, West Fillmore I think West. is where he got his starts he really is start from yeah so. well the first the first I heard of Carlos Santana was in a um, a band he he backed up Al Cooper um, mm. you know Live Adventures of Mike Bloomfield and Al Cooper, and I, I got a feeling that was at the Fillmore West, but uh, but he came in as a guest on that, um, and mm. was asked to come in because Mike Bloomfield, who was working with Al Cooper, didn't make that night, mm. um, and they put it down to his uh, insomnia, but I think it was probably also down to his heroin problem, which claimed him a couple of years later. Poor old Mike Bloomfield, mm. and uh, that's the first time I really heard. Carlos Santana and then um, not long after that his first or the first Santana album came out it could have been out before that but see I, I heard a different story in regards to his beginnings and I know I mentioned it in the retro review episode and one of the the uh, god I can't remember the name the musician but he was he was a very he would play the film or West often um, I want to say Brian um, or Butter something or other. Oh, Paul Butterfield band. Paul Butterfield band. Yeah, well, Mike Bloomfield was in that for a while as yeah, well. Yeah, and mm. apparently um, he got drunk before the, one of the sets, and he was a renowned drinker, of course. Yeah. Uh, but he got way too bloated beforehand, passed out, and the um, the owner of Fillmore West, who was Bill also... Graham. Bill Graham. Yeah, that's right, who worked with uh, Santana up until his demise in 91. Uh, he... He actually turned around to Santana, knowing he was a guitarist, said, all right, you go on stage. <laughs> and he picked a few people out who were uh, working at, a, at Fillmore West, who were musicians, and they did a slight impromptu thing for a couple of minutes. And he ended up blowing them away a bit. And from what I heard a bit later on, they actually ended up being the opening act for him later on. And okay, yeah. that was actually one of the recordings for his live, his very early recordings for the Fillmore West. Yeah. 
yep. which I think has that yellow cover. I think it's a yes. recording of 68. Yeah. So I think Yeah, that, that tracks like fried turkey or fried chicken and uh, tur- yeah, turkey fried, neck fried Fried neck bones and, <laughs> yeah. um, and some home fries. Yeah. Love that track. It's a great jam track. Really. It is. You know, fried neck bones <laughs> and some home fries. What kind of... Tr- who eats that? <laughs> let, let alone, who decides to Text make a... Ch- yeah. Who eats that and then sits down and goes, I'm going to record a song about that. You know, it's just such a weird track to name. But I did have Fillmore East as a great track. It's a long track as well, but seven odd minutes. Nice yeah. guitar work there. Same with Forgiveness I had. Yeah. As well as, I mentioned here... There was an interesting one with the track Choo Choo and then All Aboard mm. following... There were two separate tracks, but they were meant to be together, obviously, and they do follow the same things. Yeah. Um, a nice little thing like Choo Choo seems to be this relaxed kind of jam song before All Aboard really brings it up a level. So, yeah, for me, this is an interesting album. Um, very different to the previous decades anyway. But I think the rating I would give it, I'm I'm going to be a bit stringent here. I'm going to say Carolina Reaper. Yeah, I think Carolina Reaper. I mean, look, because it's the original band back together, it's uh, you find it hard to rank it too low. But yeah, could have been better. Could have done better. It's it's almost it, um, it missed its mark and it was a bit bloated in sections. Yeah. But even if you cut some of the crap out, it's still you're not saving it. It's like going out with an old girlfriend. It's just not the same. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the old girlfriends. We're going to be reading them, the Carolina Reaper. <laughs> and, you know, it's but it's not bad enough also to say, look, I wish they hadn't ruined their reputation by reforming. You know, it was still... No, they didn't, um, they didn't rub their name in mud you know, yet. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bands were reforming or did have reformed over years and... Some of them have gone on to, you know, greater things. Um, one of my favourites, of course, the Allman Brothers Band, I can think of. You know, they had a few um, spots there where they broke up for a while, and sometimes quite acrimoniously, and then uh, reformed and changed musicians, you know, brought in other people, and uh, I think in the end ended up as a, a brilliant band. Um, but a lot of other bands, you know, people, but bands like Cream, they just reformed and played a concert a couple of concerts, you know, they, yeah. didn't, they didn't do any new they didn't material. Do um, the Eagles have, you know, re constantly toured and played, and, and they have done a couple of studio albums since they did originally break up after the, the long run. But they, primarily, they're there for their. They're um, there for the retirement. Yeah, they're, I mean, would you even say that their new work is memorable? Maybe, maybe yeah. one or two tracks, but they've already got their it's legacy. Their superannuation. Well, it's like the Rolling Stones, you know. I think they've had about... Actually, they're doing it right. I think the Rolling Stones are doing it right. We're going on, a, of course, a little tangent here, but the Rolling Stones are doing it right where they only release like three or four track EPs once every so often, hmm. and that's the perfect way to do it. You, you've already got your 15 albums. For them, oh, for them, it's probably about 25, but you've already got the 10 or so albums that are really good, and for them, just to record four more tracks every so often, perfect. Well, you know? Well, look at the Rolling Stones set list from their live concerts, and seventy-five no, yeah. percent um, of it is is from the even before Ron Wood joined them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, everything been from Beggar's Banquet and before. Yeah. 
it's, it's that trilogy of albums, you know, or four albums, I guess, the better, you know, Let It Bleed, Beggar's Banquet, Sticky Fingers, Exile on Main Street, mm. that kind of era, which, um, you know, was their heyday. And, um, and you know, I like a lot of their recent, I mean, they're, well, not recent, but, you know, Tattoo You was a great album and a few other albums they've done. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they've, they've, they've still produced and still written new material. Yep. But um, they primarily tour on the back of their late 60s early 70s catalog yeah exactly even yeah. with the santana you still get you still get the he plays a fair bit of stuff around i guess at least mm. he mixes it up a bit he does yeah. so a bit of bonuses there but it can also be a bit of a, a different fa- different matter i guess <laughs> you might yeah. you might never know which which favorite song you're going to miss out on when you go to santana but no this this album very good santana 4 yep uh yeah with carolina reba all right Okay, so we're moving on to the next release here from 2014's Corazon. And this is uh, an album that brought back some energy, much-needed energy in regards to the Santana music. I like this album, actually. What about what about you, Was? I do. I like this album. This is uh, one that, you know, from when I first listened to it. And he's, he's of course, brought out a live version of this album, or, you know, largely. Like, I mean, it's got other tracks on it, I think, not just from this album, but mostly it is Corazon Live. I think that's what it's called. Yes. Also um, a commentary album as well, I think, regarding this. Yeah. I haven't yeah. listened to it, but I would imagine it'd be interesting for those true Santana fans. Yeah, but no, I played this quite a bit when it first came out and um, enjoyed listening to it. It was an album that I did have on a playlist for quite a while and still mm. listen, still come back to now and again. So I do like this album. Yeah. I think it was particularly interesting with the Oi 2014 where he was... Oh kind of doing a cover of one of his earlier yeah i've mentioned in my notes a bit further on here i said um not even carl santana could redeem pitbull's appearance remix version of oi from the abraxas yeah one of his greatest tracks ruined by pitbull i'm sorry to say pitbull not a great musician get out of here probably one of the worst tracks sampling his own material (laughs) exactly that's what i yeah okay cool you know at least at least pitbull didn't open the track saying oh like he always does so uh, get out of here, people. Get that track off the album. I would say the rest of it's almost pretty good. But that's also because I was looking over it as well. A lot of these are covers. And not mm, saying that mm. he doesn't do covers. He does a lot of covers, really, he throughout does, yeah. his albums. But it's like 50% of these almost are covers. Mm, mm, and mm. Uh, look, when Santana does a cover, it's definitely changing the style up. It's not keeping it exactly the same always on the originals so that's a that's a good thing about his renditions his covers on these albums and in particular about these tracks here anyway uh at first i always looked over this as the spanish version of supernatural and i'm glad that i decided to really have a look into this album because it did change my mind and it's a it's a real hidden gem i think actually you know uh, just this real blend of latina rock back from his early days that's pure energy, uh, which was definitely lacking from the last couple of albums that we will go through mm. in just a couple of moments. But yeah, um, well, he's got he's also got another jazz great as a as a guest artist with Wayne Shorter. Okay. So whereas he had Chick Corea, you know, in a few albums before uh, or later, um, Wayne Shorter is another jazz uh, player that he has worked with, who was also featured on that live at Montreux. Um, album and um and Wayne Shorter who was he with he was 
Well, he's worked. He was part of um, Miles Davis' uh, great quintet in the late nineties. Uh, sorry, late sixties. Oh, um, okay. And uh, mid mid to late sixties. So it was, I think it was the second quintet, as they call it, um, with Herbie Hancock and um, Tony Williams oh, okay. on drums, Ron Carter on bass, and uh, Miles Davis. Um, I saw Wayne Shorter a couple of years ago at the Opera House. Sydney oh, Opera House. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in his 80s now. I guess when I saw him, he was probably in his mid to late 70s. Um, okay, very interesting. And, yeah, and he looks like the first also appearance by Cindy Blackman. I don't know if it was the first, was it? I mean, is she the... She's the drummer. Percussionist? Who, uh, yeah, she's the drummer. Yeah. I th- who's been with Santana recording-wise onwards anyway mm. from about 2016, I think, onwards. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe it was, yeah, because I, I know I've seen, a, again, um, a live clip of his with her playing and, um, and you know, she does quite a a boisterous and very uh, rocky, you know, enjoyable yeah. drum solo. Um, yeah, she's a very energetic <coughs> person, that's for sure. <coughs> Let me know, uh, look, Tilly on Carnage Crew, I might be wrong there. Let me know below if that's the case, if she has appeared beforehand. <coughs> But from what I could see, that looks like it was probably one of her first appearances. Yeah. I mean, look, I haven't, I must admit, I've not tried to even keep track of the members of Santa. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, I'll put up the member list here you know, and it'll just be this giant list. The original of, Santana. Yeah, Santana original, with a line. Yeah, Michael Shreve, Greg Rolfe. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Greg um, Rowley and all the rest. Rolly, and, not Rolfe. Yeah, Rolly. Yeah. Um, but, geez, trying to, um, yeah, trying to keep track of it. It's just too much. You think since, Deep Purple uh, or something? Yeah, <laughs> you should try a Santana lineup. Yeah, they make Deep Purple look stable. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Deep Purple are quite stable. And Jethro Tull. <laughs> I mean, some of those bands from the 60s just seem to roll on, but there's uh, no original members or hardly yeah, any original. Yeah. Uh, um, Jefferson Airplane? I don't think there's an they original They became Jefferson member. Starship, didn't they? Yeah, and, they had uh, Jefferson Starship at one stage. Then that's because of legalities, or yes, and the sixteen versions that they oh, have. Oh yeah, out. that's right. There was they, yes, there was Anderson, Bruford, Wakeman, blah blah blah. And um, then uh, the eight, and then there was Asia because yep. around the eighties when they split up. Mm. But yeah, radio. <laughs> yeah, Santana's next level. Uh, yeah, look, it's a very, it's a really good album to me. I yeah, found the first I like, like it. five out of the first five tracks, ignoring track four. Which was the remix version of Oi. That was mm. really good mm. start to the album. Yep. You know, I was listening to it actually earlier today and yeah, it was really good. <laughs> yeah, that's an enjoyable album. Let's uh, give it a spin. Listen to the live version then. Yeah. Listen to the studio one a couple of times and go and listen to the live because as as he often does and as many artists do, they stretch out a bit more on the on the live performances of some of the tracks. Definitely. There was also another one here I noted as well. He did the version of uh, Iron Lion Zion with Ziggy Marley, mm, of course, mm. the son of Bob, Bob Marley. And it's interesting to hear Santana do a reggae sound because that's probably, yeah. out of every bloody genre he does and covers, reggae is not really one of them I've heard him do, or nah. at least not so much. So, yeah, that was interesting, to, I guess, to hear it. You know, while he may not have stuck the land, <laughs> stuck, stuck to it, I should say, uh, heavily course bringing in his blend of his guitar work it was still you know oh, okay that's interesting <laughs> yeah some of his bands when they're playing you know they have a, have a certain reggae feeling i guess because they're heavy on percussion yeah and um just that sound uh, the latin jazz kind of um sound but uh but mm. yeah it's he's not a natural reggae not at all no no no, no. his style is uh more bb king in fact most 
I find most Western artists, and I guess he's Mexican, I know, but Western artists trying to cover reggae just don't seem to do it all that convincingly. I find it hard, you know, when there's a English band trying to follow reggae. <laughs> that being reggae. said, though, there is actually probably a couple of English bands that have covered it quite, or do versions of it quite well, like The Clash yeah. um, on London Calling, which, despite the fact that they were a punk rock group, covered about oh, six different genres on that album. Uh, one of the most iconic albums from the 80s mm. punk rock scene anyway. Oh, look, in English music, I mean, talking, you know, about English musicians, I mean, Eric Clapton probably brought reggae to the fore in the 70s with his I Shot the Sheriff, you know, the Bob true. Marley song. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, heard that and liked the sound of it and then went back and listened to the original. Yeah, that's, that's and, very true. Uh, and listened then more to, to more of people like Bob Marley and Josh, uh, or Tosh, Peter Tosh and so on. Yeah, there there is actually a nice... Uh, album that I've listened to a couple of times. Very underrated band, in my opinion, as well. Ice House. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, Ice House, for those outside the know, is an uh, Australian musician. Hyper Davies. Yeah, yeah, renowned for their 80s sound, kind of the synth era of 80s music, and they brought out uh, Great Southern Land, Mm. most famous track. Anyway, they, they did, they're quite a very good, talented bunch of musicians. And many might just blow them over thinking whatever, you know, Great Southern Land, pop song, whatever. But no, these guys really know their stuff. And they did a live album with a reggae group called The Dub House. Okay. And pretty much they reworked their material into some Bob Marley songs. (laughs) So they did like, for example, Great Southern Land to the track of, um, I can't even think of it, you know, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And Iron Lion Zion, for example. So they'd be playing the intro to Great Southern Land, dun, 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 you know, Buffalo Soldier. And you're like, uh-huh. what? That's really... It's it's a really nice blend. And I, I think that if you haven't listened to it and you want to hear something different, a live reggae mix with Ice House, if that sounds like something perfect for you, I really recommend that album. Even if that doesn't sound like something you would like, I still recommend that album. So maybe I might cover that on a future episode. Well, with Ice House, of course, they were originally called Flowers. Correct. Their yeah. first album was called Ice House. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> how they got their name. And yeah. the track Ice House um, is a really good track. In fact, that album has, been, in the last two or three years, been re-released as a you know deluxe version or an mm. anniversary edition. And I did go back and listen to it because I, I enjoyed listening to it when it first came out. I didn't actually buy the album, but some friends had it, and I listened to it quite a bit. And um, Ivor Davies is, you know, he's probably a little bit like Carlos Santana too, because I think he's chewed through a few musicians in Oh um, yeah, yeah. In that's... Ice House, um, he's got a voice that reminds me quite often of David Bowie. Yeah, um, yeah. Actually, um, you're not far off. He's yeah, got a very softly spoken yeah. voice. That's that kind, kind of like of, um, this, you know, and yeah, no, yeah, you're definitely not wrong there. Hmm. I think I might cover them in a future episode. So yeah, keep an eye out for that in a couple band. of months. They're yeah, very uh, underrated band. Still in my working, opinion. still doing, still stuff. around. They're still, actually they're performing solo material, but they're just coming. They're coming out now, actually. I think mm, they yeah. are. Yeah. So, what would you give this rating on? Uh, this oh, look, I think this is an easy uh, Carolina Reaper. Uh, yeah, Carolina. Yeah, Reaper. Carolina yeah, Reaper. Yeah, four out of six. I think uh, this is a strong album. Um, yeah, definitely. Great um, to hear those versions of the songs come out again. Mm. And it's almost like that 
it's almost like coming back to that 70s 80s era yeah. of Santana that we all love yeah this, this is a, a throwback if you this is this is kind of what I was hoping Africa Speaks would be like as well yeah yeah <laughs> you're right definitely right on there so yeah 2014 release of Corazon we'll be rating it at the Carolina Reaper era Okay, that was an interesting little mix there. And for this one, we've got the 2012 Santana release of Shapeshifter. Now, I don't know what to say about this album. It's got a very odd cover. We were talking about album covers, of course, just before. This one kind of feels a bit blank or bland, I should say, compared to some of the other ones that we've got. But I remember when I started off the album, and it's very similar to his early 80s sound. And I remember playing the first track, uh, Shapeshifter, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, yeah, it's got that, it's got that older style. I like, you know, I didn't mind the '80s style a bit. And then I just remembered, oh damn, it's going to be the '80s style, <laughs> which wasn't exactly too good either. So there was this kind of moment of, oh, that's nice, and then oh, dread is going to be settling in. What did you think about this album? I um, actually quite liked this album um it probably more suits my style now in as far as uh it's largely instrumental um i think it, it demonst- is an entirely instrumental uh, except for one track yeah it's um demonstrates i think the latin jazz side of santana mm. which is what i really enjoy um and it's a very relaxing album it's an album that you can just put on when you're you know, having dinner or just having a drink before dinner or something and just want to relax um, you know, suited to that kind of m- mood. I, I guess some could rudely call it lift music. <laughs> some of it, but uh, I, don't, I but, think that'd be pretty much nailing the hammer on the head there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think though that some who might have you know raced out and bought this will miss the more rock style of Santana, the more song you know, like uh, yeah, this yeah, is um, a much smoother style from my from my perspective um interesting one of the the the, the track that i really like was our sweet dancer <laughs> our sweet dancer the last track there. yeah yeah, okay. yeah um which has uh, been done by a few artists and of course it's one of the few non-original <laughs> i was going to say that looks like it's been a cover yeah, as well yeah it is i think our sweet dancer has been done on a few jazz albums and okay. uh, um and so, they might have even done that in one of their live recordings i'm not sure if it was before or after this album but uh... i had to listen to that one again i can't mm. recall the track for me i remember i was listening to it the first track which is you know probably the best first track's probably the best track on the album um, along with one other track but it just quickly dropped off after that like you mm. said i guess as well though for those looking for the rock in santana this wasn't going to be the album that would bring it back and like I said, also with Karazan, which brought back that energy that was highly needed compared to, say, the Shapeshifter album. You know, this was a... To me, it should have been a solo album. I think it was a bit of a misstep by the label. It probably should have just listed it, I guess, as a solo album, despite the fact that he did perform mostly with his band because of the shift in style. You know, um, this was just an album that was so dead boring to listen to. <laughs> You know, uh, I did find though that the song Mr. Saz, I'm going to mispronounce this, Mr. Sazbo, Sabo, uh, is in homage to Gabor Sabo, the Hungarian guitarist who wrote Gypsy Queen. The song used uh, in the joint cover Black Magic Woman Gypsy Queen. 
So he paid homage to him there in regards to that track. And that was one of my favourite tracks also that stood out, I guess, on this album. So, little note for that one there. Like, I guess like you said though, it is very Muzak. Mm. You know, um, it's becoming, I guess, of an older Santana sound. And I appreciate the that he tries something different here, I guess. You know, for years beforehand and for years to come, he kind of followed more in his pop rock. I'm going to go, you know, do duets and stuff with all the modern singers. This one, he just stuck to his guns and said, no, nah, I'm going to make my own record here. I'm going to do what I want to do. So I, I'll give him credit for that. But <laughs> I can't give him credit for the album overall. Unfortunately, it fell way too short of my expectations. Hmm. Any uh, other standout tracks for you, or pretty much as a whole, the album? Did uh, quite look, well? I think the whole thing blends together well. As I said, I think it's uh, it's an album that's been thought through carefully as to the track listing, mm. as opposed to some of his other albums where you think you know the, it's just a bunch of tracks put together. Yeah, um, it does kind of blend. I really enjoyed this album. I listened yeah. to this one quite a bit when it first came out. Yeah, fair enough. Then, for me, too much of a lounge jack sound, no singing except for one track. Hmm. Nothing I'm going to be jumping back to. What is your ranking? Look, I gave this one a Carolina Reaper um, yeah, because I you know, thought it was back to you know what I was expecting from Santana. It's one of my more favourite, you know, if I was going to take five Santana discs away to the desert island, um, I'd probably include this as the fifth. <laughs> um, You're a gay man then. I think yeah. there's a few other albums I would have listed above this one. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a couple of compilation album that Dawn or it is um, yeah. um, Moonflower. Sorry, Moonflower, not Dawn. Maybe, yeah, or I Dawn. Um, yeah, I know the, the, li- the live act that you're mm. thinking of. Mm. For me, uh, no, this was a jalapeno. This was mm-hmm. dead in the water on arrival, yeah. and it's nothing I'm going to be going back to anytime soon. Yep. Yeah. Well, that and that also probably depicts our different approach to music, and as far as I've been, you know, for the last. 20 years or 15 years much more into the smooth jazz kind of instrumental yeah. material where you can listen to an album and nothing really stands out but it just blends and you know soothes soothes the mind well, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to put on you know Deep Purple Live at full volume as well still but uh, all I can think of is ah this is like this is like watching paint dry fantastic <laughs> listening to I the like... sound, of, sound of the ocean yeah ah the sound effects ah Perfect. Oh, I like to jump in a lift for fifty minutes and listen to the music. Yeah, I'm probably being generous with that, but it's just that you know I'm listening to it again. I thought, uh, you know, it's um, it does. It's an album that just suits me. I guess that's music for you, though. Uh, it does bring certain uh, feelings to us that could be different. So, mm. like you, like I said at the beginning, this is just an opinion. You know, I find this album is a jalapeno because it just doesn't suit my needs. I never got into it on the day. Or at the time, I should say, you know, my first time listening to this album was probably about three months ago, and I just listened to it. Like I said, the first song, great, it had that kind of '80s vibe to it, and some of his '80s stuff was pretty damn good. And, and I was thinking, okay, this is going to be interesting, and then it just kind of whew, fell off a cliff, and yeah. just not my style. But I can see how it can be for other people, you know, and yeah. Alrighty then, so yep, yeah, shapeshifter mixed bag there i will have the list up i'll probably split the list actually 
to show that we have different tastes in music. Because <laughs> if, if I was to override this saying Nup's Jalapeno, I think there's going to be a few angry Santana fans going, no, no, this is a good album, buggy uh, you. I guess I could drop it to a ghost pedal, but I don't know if I'd no, go to no. Jalapeno. No, no. <laughs> you, you stick by your guns. It's your opinion. That's it. Music <laughs> is an opinion after all. So that's the main thing about music. There is no right or wrong. There is just opinions. Unless you're a Nickelback fan, get out of here, they suck. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, yes, so that was a fun one there with Shapeshifter. Now we move on to the 2010 release, Guitar Heaven. And this is a covers album of Santana doing his thing. Not really too surprising considering his history of doing covers, starting from, of course, his first album, which has got about probably three or four tracks, I believe, that were covers on there. There's many covers on this album with just a lot of huge names, of course, ranging from Led Zeppelin to Rolling Stones, you know, uh, Cream to, oh God, what have we got here, ACDC and Riders of the Storm. So yeah, you know, some big, big tracks, which is kind of funny to see and compare, I guess, now I think about it at this very moment, because Deep Purple did a covers uh, album just recently. And all the stuff that they covered was the stuff that they were influenced by, which is more like 40s, 50s, 60s rock, compared to some of this stuff here, which is really from some of the stuff from the 80s. But I guess we take our influences from music throughout our life. So, yeah, no, that's no limit in yourself. I just, I guess, found that a little odd while I thought about it at the moment. What do you think, I guess, in regards to this album? Oh, look, I'm, I've never been real keen on covers albums. Um... To me, it just seems a bit of a, you know, again, a contractual obligation almost. Like, I've got to go out and record something. A bit of a cash so, grab or something? Yeah, I'm just going to go out and record. So, fine to pay, I think, respects to the stuff that might have influenced you, although some of this stuff, of course, came out, you know, after you know, when he was well-established. Mm. Um, a lot of it, I, I think it's an interesting selection. I mean, it's my era in a way, you know. I grew up with the albums like Led Zeppelin two and uh, yep. The Doors and, you know, um, Can't You Hear Me Knocking. Yeah, of course. Oh, the Rolling Stones was is one of my favorite Rolling Stones That's tracks. You know, yeah, it's a great I, he long gets a track. bonus. The band really stretches out um, that guitar solo as well. At the end. Yeah, perfect. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, it's a very underrated guitar solo for uh, Keith Richards, and I guess he gets bonus points for doing any. Or Mick Taylor, I'm not sure who does it. Keith Richards or Mick Taylor did that guitar solo. I'm I sure, thought but it was Keith, but could I could be, be wrong. Yep. Uh, but I guess in regards to out of any Rolling Stones song, he could have picked. You know, he gets bonus points for picking Can't You Hear Me Knocking, yeah. one of my favourite tracks, and definitely one of the underrated gems on their on their career from around that time when you can have a look at it and go, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of other songs, you know, Brown Sugar, Sway, whatever the hell you want, but Can't You Hear Me Knocking is not often looked at, I guess. Yeah. So a really, really interesting cover, or really choice, an interesting choice of a song to cover in regards to that. And a lot of these songs have been done over and over again as covers. I mean, a whole yeah, lot of love. A whole I mean, lot of love. Geez, Can't you, know, you hear me? Not, uh, sorry, uh, Sunshine of Your Love, of course. Yeah, Sunshine of Your Love has been done by yeah, you okay. know, every artist. More artists. Um, you know. Smoke on the Water is a courageous thing to do. Yeah, that's Lucas Ballsy, <laughs> I guess, because he is Santana and we want to hear that Santana guitar tone. Yeah. The I, I remember being around uh, JB Hi-Fi at the time and they were blaring this album a lot through the speakers oh listen to how good our speakers are <laughs> you know and oh yeah okay cool you know that was, yeah 
There was definitely some other... Um, I didn't listen a lot to this album when it first came out just because I do steer away from cover albums. I, I like I like it when artists do covers, but when they do their own style or you know they make their own version of it, mm. um, I don't necessarily like a whole album of covers. I mean, yeah. I, I listen to a lot of artists who don't write their own material. You know, they're good musicians or singers or whatever. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and that's fine, but um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's certainly my, my era, 60s, 70s, kind of songs um yeah it's well, see i'm a bit opposite because i'm a i'm a bit of a sucker when it comes to hearing covers i like to hear an artist doing a cover of another artist to see, see their version and i guess that stems from hearing metallica's garage inc and for me and maybe a lot of other people as well out there um that actually got them into a lot of bands that they didn't know of because you know here is this artist at the time massive and they were doing covers of Scottish, you know, the Scottish 70s band Budgie. You know, and who the hell is Budgie? I don't know. Let's check it. <laughs> if Metallica like them, then we got, they've got to be good. So you run out and checking out Budgie, for example, you know, and uh, Merciful Fate and a few other artists. And I found out a lot of uh, musicians through that. So I am a, a sucker when it comes to covers albums. I do love covers, but at the same time, it has to be done carefully because too much too similar to the original cover then you're just being lazy and too far away from the original and it's either well you could be too far left field i guess and bastardizing the version of the song whether that is intentional or not that's uh hmm. and i mean look they're one of their biggest hits um you know um black magic black magic woman was a was a cover. cover you know yeah. um but they made it their song that's you know? correct and when but, you go back and listen to the early santana version i mean peter green playing the guitar on it um it's it's good but you know um oh. i think that it's one of those covers which take a song and make it even better yeah um, you know what black magic woman's cover i would say second best cover in the world next to hendrix hendrix all on the, <laughs> all watchtower. On the watchtower yeah yeah yeah, that is the archetype. That's that's um, one of those artists who took a cover and made it made their it own song. Better. Kind of like Johnny Cash when he also did Hurt, yeah. you know. Um, Nine Inch Nails, of course, doing the original there. Yeah. And uh, look, it's just up there. None of these tracks, however, are going to be anything compared to the original. The originals will still be the original. This is for the fans who want to hear the guitar mm. of Carlos ringing tunes over their favorite songs. If you like this stuff, sure. Yep, you're going to love this album. I think this has also got the second Rob Thomas duet in his career with... Yeah. Uh, I can't read my notes now, but... Uh, sorry, Sunrise. Sunshine of Your Love. Sunshine of Love, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know what, I made another note here as well. The first two tracks are now hmm, 90s artists who have unfortunately passed away uh, with Chris Cornell and Scott Wayland uh, from Soundgarden and uh, Stone Temple Pilots as well as Velvet Revolver and Audio Slave as well for Chris Cornell. So Rock in Peace for both of them. It kind of rings, when you hear those two artists, some of the greatest voices of the 90s, really. Uh, you know, Grunge had a lot of them. But those two in particular... Uh, well, he's got the late Ray Manzarek from The Doors on Riders on the Storm. Oh, The original <laughs> keyboard player from The Doors... Um, I do believe the guitarist is still out and about. He's doing... is Robbie Krieger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, Robbie right. Krieger's still performing now and again. I Actually, I just, noticed, I just noticed as well, Chester Bennington's also on Riders of the Storm, so mm. he only passed away a couple of years ago as well. Jeez. Oh, yeah, there's a few there's well, a few front of course, here. one of my favourite tracks is Little Wing with Joe Cocker. <laughs> oh, wow, yep. That was a, a good um, a good track. And, mm. uh, it was great listening to Joe Cocker. Yeah. Um, I've also got in my notes, and it's not listed on the track listing there, but Fortunate Son with Scott Stapp or Stoop. Stop. Okay, but, that um, might have been a bonus know. track, like it on might have been a bonus track version, version that I listened to, and I thought that was quite good the way that they did that. I mean, uh, again, Carlos Santana tackling. I could imagine, yeah, credence, <laughs> like just a simplistic, you know. Yeah, and then here's this, yeah, guitar tone ringing yeah. over it. That's interesting. Okay, yeah. yeah, iTunes has done that a lot in the past. I know, for example, they did it again. I'm bringing up Deep Purple, but that's the only example I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, the album Infinite, they had a, a bonus track. It was either Infinite or Whoosh. Anyway, one of those albums. Mm, mm. They brought a bonus track, and it was iTunes only. And it was a really good uh, song. I remember hearing it, I think maybe from you. And I was like, oh, that's a really good track. Searching up on um, Spotify. Nope, can't be found. It's iTunes only. Is it? Yeah. And I was so annoyed. You know, here's this great track that I can't listen to because, meh, I'm not going to get iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you come downstairs and listen to it. (laughs) So, look, it's... Yeah, that's fine. It's a covers album. It is what yeah. it is. Bit of a cash grab, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think this also came out with a live DVD at the time, you know, and sure, cool, that's a thing. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I think it's a bit more contractual obligation. Just feeling like, oh, yeah, I'll just uh, make an album for the sake of making an album. Mm. And calling it the greatest guitar classics of all time, I mean... Look, they're not on, you know, Sunshine of Your Love and Smoke on the Water and all that have gone down as, you know, and a whole lot of love, that riff. Yeah, definitely. Um, that definitely Page true. did, um, that they stole <laughs> from Willie Dixon. <laughs> Oops, we don't mention that here. <laughs> they lost that court case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, Little Wing, I thought was a great, a great track. But yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know why someone like Carlos Santana, who's such an original, good guitarist musician himself would want to do an album of covers other than just to be a bit of a you know get a few commercial sales and boost his superannuation and the other thing as well actually mentioning Santana and covers is and I think we discussed this on the last uh, album was at least when he does covers he changes it up enough Hmm. you know Santana has this really good way that he does he does a lot of covers throughout his career you know you can probably make a whole giant list of all the covers he's done on all his albums and he does it in such a way that it becomes it's still somewhat known but it's his tune in it it's his signature you know like Black Magic Woman yeah you wouldn't really you don't know it too well but you you know it is a cover hmm. but with these covers it's a bit lazy haphazard yeah. yeah you know and it just doesn't feel right he, do he hasn't yeah they, they didn't take the that right direction I guess yeah I mean it's alright to chuck in a cover on an album or two but to do a whole album of covers for someone like Santana yeah oh well what would you give the rating on this album a Thai chili yeah I think you're not wrong there definitely Thai chili for me as well yep so yep ultimate guitar work or whatever it is guitar heaven sorry but you got the Thai chili you ain't ain't spicy enough for us don't race out and listen to it (laughs) there's better stuff from Santana (laughs) 
Okay, going from covers to covering All That I Am, the 2005 release from Santana. This would be his last release in about seven years until he does his other original uh, material. This is a, another album that tries to capture the previous two albums' energy, and it follows in that new style, the pop-orientated style, mixing with a few pop artists out there. And it's a bit cookie-cutter in sound. Nothing too crazy, nothing too special. It doesn't really break the mold. Anything that you want to add in regards to that part of it, from what I said there? Look, I'm listening to this. To me, the first two tracks sound a bit like early 70s Santana, but then it just, um, by track three, it's back to more pop. And um, and then I found too much pop music. And with this guest artist thing, which he seems to do all the time, you know, quite a lot, Yeah, it's, I don't know, I feel like flogging a dead horse. Yeah, you're definitely not wrong. The first two tracks actually were originals as well compared to the rest of the mm-hmm. album. Um, and he you know, brings in those Spanish titles of uh, Hermes and El Fuego uh, compared to the, some of the other albums here. Sorry, uh, other titles and tracks with other artists. Yeah, it's a lot of contemporary artists here compared to, I guess, his previous ones. Yeah. So there's interesting where he brought, he brought in, you know, Steven Tyler. Yeah, okay, that's that's kind of cool, you know. Uh, Steve Tyler, Vero Smith, of course. And that was probably one of the... Sta- you know, despite the fact it was a big song, uh, around about the big big song at the time, still a decent track, I thought. Anyway, just feel better. But it's nothing that really stands out in my mind of top Santana, no. you know, songs or really albums. I thought Trinity was good. Trinity's an interesting one. That was a... Uh, that was a um, a bit of a peak in my opinion because oh here's Carlos Santana playing with Kirk Hammett of Metallica mm. you know and remember at that time I'm loving Kirk Hammett and his guitar solos and stuff and I'm thinking oh and and Santana he's he's a really good guitarist too so it'd be interesting to hear these two guitarists they actually did work together on um, an album that we just covered not too long ago I think it might have been the Blessings and Miracles one oh, yeah, yeah he did uh, America for Sale. So they've actually worked together on two or three tracks now. So that this is this is the first one, of course, and I think really the best one. Yeah. You know, it's nothing too special, really. This album, it's yeah. The cover of the album, you know, we talked about covers before, and uh, to me, when I saw it, I thought it was one of those rehashed Santana, nineteen sixty-seven, sixty-eight, you know, <laughs> Fillmore album. You know, again we talked about fried chicken neck or what it was. Yeah. And, um, because after he had the first or the you know, the first initial albums came out as a huge success, and of course Woodstock really highlighted his musicianship <coughs> and his band and everything. Um, suddenly, the record companies dug up material that had been recorded, probably some of it badly, um, <laughs> and rehashed it and bore it out. And you thought, oh, a new Santana album, a new Santana album. And then you bore it and you realise. This is just him in the studio farting around, you know, like it's just not... Um, yeah, outtake of Black Magic Woman number yeah, six. Okay, you know, just, cool. Uh, it's just the band warming up almost, you know, like... Um, oh. uh, so, yeah, just that cover, I guess, that the colour and the style and all that, even though it's a, obviously a more recent um, photo. But Yeah, not a, not a good cover or album yeah. compared to some of the other stuff that he had uh, there. This album, for me, is too much pop. Yeah. Yeah, definitely... <sighs> With the last two uh, albums, or the ones that are coming up anyway, yeah, it's definitely yeah. pretty average compared to it. 
there wasn't any standout tracks, I guess, in regards to this that you could think of. I mean, for me, it was something like Con Santana, once well, again, bringing his name out. But Yeah, know. the first two tracks I liked. Uh, they weren't standouts, but I liked Trinity. To me, Trinity was a standout. Yeah. I enjoyed that. What about uh, what about the rating in regards oh, to this one? I struggled to probably give it a. I'd give it a Thai chili. Yeah, definitely, mm. Thai chili on that one as well. All right, we move on. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> So, speaking of Cookie Cutter Records, we come up with the 2002 record of Shaman. Now, this was the follow-up to the highly, uh, highly anticipated, or not, sorry, not anticipated, sorry, the highly successful uh, Supernatural. And, you know, it has a very similar album artwork to it, Mm. you know, really nice design to it. And, of course, it follows, I guess, in the same style. Here we are, a bunch of pop, you know, musicians of the time, with Seal, uh, Macy Gray, P.O.D., Chad Kroger for some reason, and it, it, it's doing the same thing. It's trying to capture lightning in a bottle again, and, oh, you know, it look, it, it's difficult to do so after Supernatural, of course, but it wasn't terrible either. What did you think in regards to this album? Yeah, look, to me, this is Supernatural Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's, like that's a, a fair point. Yeah, um, and it's um, yeah, it's an interesting album. Uh, I, I said here, look, it would get a party on the move when you first put it on. You know, it's it's got that beat to it. It's um, you know, it's a pretty. I or most of it was a pretty up. Uh, it seems like a real band effort, but mm. a bit bland. Um, and uh, he, you know, I don't know. Um, again I think with this one in particular I found that Carlos Santana sounded like he was just over coming in the studio and overlaying on some tracks yeah there was a bunch of musicians in there who were recording and producing and all that and he'd pop in in the afternoon and listen to what they'd played, played and then just put some guitar he would just lay down his guitar work over the you know, top I of it. just wonder whether he's in the same room <laughs> <laughs> ever with them you know like uh yeah, look, I didn't. Um, I mean, has, and the covers. Style. You're right. The covers. I mean, you you put them together, or you know, hold them back in a distance, and you hard hard to tell. I mean, it's the colours and everything. The style of the covers are obviously meant to be, you know, almost mistaken. Look, it's hard to follow up such a big success, and we'll talk about Supernatural shortly. But um, but to me, it feels like leftovers or a contractual obligation. It mm. even features a track uh, number eight since Supernatural. <laughs> no, like, um, yeah, since the three years yeah, that have been passed. Right. Yeah, yeah. Where have I? <laughs> Where have I been? The new Touring yacht. the world. Here's everyone. the new yacht that I bought. Yeah, thanks to the yacht. <laughs> thanks, thanks for your time and money. Yeah, it's look. Yeah, look. I, I guess going through it, it was never an album that stood out to me. I did replay it, and I was like, oh yeah, look, it's not bad. I was playing it earlier actually at work, and some customer walked in and they said, oh. This sounds a bit Santana-like. I'm like, yeah, it's because it is Santana. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, fair enough then. <laughs> I have a bit of a love-hate regarding the track Foo-Foo. Uh, <laughs> it's a track that starts and stops and starts and stops. And mm. for me, it's like, mm. just play the song, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I was just listening to it as well. And going, you know what? I can I can see how it works. But it feels a bit frustrating in regards to that song, at least. 
But yeah, like a few other tracks out there. You look, you got America by P.O.D. bringing in the new metal sound, which oh, shouldn't appear on any Santana album. You know, I do say that Santana does a lot of genres and you know versions of music. I don't care how big new metal was at the time. P.O.D. was I. You know, the only reason P.O.D. was brought in as the new metal band to pick was because obviously new metal was big at the time in 2002 and P.O.D. had their supernatural beliefs. That's the only reason they teamed up with them, right? P.O.D., decent-ish um, band, but please, Santana does not need to step into the world of new metal. And I know that track didn't really get to the level of new metal, but far out did it get as close as he ever will. You know, it... It was a bit scary <laughs> in regards to that. There is also Chad Kroger. There'll be the jokes, of course, about Nickelback, of course, and, uh, yeah, who cares? <laughs> but, yeah, look, nothing really spectacular jumps out at mine looking over this track list. Victory is one. I thought it was a good um, track, and it's, it's one of the original, one of the Santana tracks. Um, Looks like the only one. The only one, I think. It's the only original. Uh, oh, no, there's a second one, uh, and that one also... Final track, Nuvos, Nuvos, um, features Placido Domingo as the lead singer with um, Santana, of course. Placido Domingo, one of the three tenors, um, brilliant voice. Oh, right. Um, three tenors back in the day, those yeah. guys. <laughs> Shit, they were huge. And, um, yeah, he's a great... I mean, having Placido Domingo as, as a great lead singer for Santana is an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's also... I, I, I highlight, you know, I, I think it works... It looks like that one was a cover as well, because yeah. that was written as well by uh, Gabor Zabo, which we mm. mentioned before. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, no, this would be a good track, of course, as yeah. well. But Victory is One was um, the track, but yeah, I, I didn't think the album was particularly good. I thought it was just, yeah. a, as I said, I like the opening track too. as well, actually, Aduma or whatever. Yeah, well, that's the one which really does get you up and dancing, as I yeah, said. You put yeah. that on at a party and, you know, people You're going to get yeah, people going. Really um, you know, we'd get a party on the move. So what would you rate this album overall? Ah, uh, look, I had a cross between jalapeno and Thai chili. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't rate it as particularly strong. Um, it's not a bad album, but you know, it's not nothing that I'd go back to and listen to over and over again. Maybe a Thai chili. Okay, okay. I actually put it down as a um, ghost pepper. I thought it was bit more, much better than all that I am. Yeah. Uh, you know, while you're never going to recapture that lightning in a bottle, it did pretty well. But, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll put it down to Thai chili. I'll All put right. it down to Thai chili. Now, of course, the last one before we close out, part one of the Santana special here. And, of course, we have to close with Santana's Supernatural album from 1999. This... There's so much that can be said about Supernatural. And I have actually covered this in my first ever retro review episode, which I will link around about here. Highly recommend checking that out in regards to the details on the album and a more in-depth analysis. But to sum it up, this album relaunched Santana's career. You know, uh, there was... Santana was in a really bad spot in the 90s. And this album, when he came out with it, was phenomenal, and I think it sold like fifty. I think it went like fifteen times platinum or something in his life. It was just, oof, wow, what an album! 
was. What do you have to say? You oh, yeah, look, this was his comeback album. I mean, you know, people, I think, had written off Santana as a, you know, 1970s um, tribute band to themselves almost. <laughs> um, they'd had a few, I think, fairly lacklustre or not that, you know, brilliant albums leading up to that. Well, they hadn't had anything for a while, actually, but... Um, um, this was very FM friendly, um, you know, recognizable tunes. I mean, it's an album full of hits. Definitely. It is. Yeah, uh, you know, like, um, there's hardly a bad track on it, you know. It's, um, and, and at the time when it came out, also, there were a couple of video clips that were doing the rounds on TV, and they were really good, you know. And, um, well, yeah, with Rob Thomas, the yeah, song Rob Smooth, Thomas of Smooth, course, of course, everyone knows that. Hit, you know, and, um, and that again was a good party tune. It was just a, there's hardly anything wrong with this album. It's it's and it because of the way it came out and then you know it, it was a fairly new concept for Carlos Santana to have a whole lot of guest artists. I think he's had, you know, he's had guest artists before, but um, this was the first time. This was the first time when he's done, or a at least whole on the album scale, on, yeah, yeah, on, with um, guest artists on. I think just about every track. I mean, there's probably a few that they they may not have. Yeah, um, there's only probably one or two, yeah, I believe. That to me kind of disappeared pointing in a way in as far as well why do you have to bring in guests on every track but it worked it yeah. worked so well and uh, you know i i bought the album and had it on high play and, and you know again when you're having people over or you know want to get people up <laughs> dancing or you want to have an energetic album this is definitely this is one energetic of them album. yeah this was carlos santana back uh, in a different style and i i like i you know i don't expect him to be releasing abraxas every time I and mean, that would get boring but um but um, this was a good welcome comeback. Definitely a change over the 90s stuff that he had released prior. I don't think he actually released anything up until seven years prior to this mm. this album. And even the other album he did was Santana Brothers. Yeah. Which, which, of course, was with his brother and his cousin. And from what I heard, this that album was just pure crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't yeah the stuff you wouldn't really want to touch with a thirty uh, foot pole type of stuff, uh, and <laughs> I do know he actually found himself in the mid nineties without a record contract. Yeah, without sorry, without a contract. And Arista Records ended up promoting this album in the end. And uh, Clive, I think it's Clive Davis from Arista Records. Mm-hmm. He was the one who pushed Santana, saying you have to sell. 4 million records which was the same amount he had sold for Abraxas so the pressure was on for this album <laughs> you know and he said oh, I believe I believe in you I think you got a good concept uh, to back it but you're going to have to sell 4 million records so the pressure was definitely on when he was making this album but it paid off look there's a saying in the musical industry of doing a Santana where old artists are going to work with new ones and it came from this one album yeah, yeah, I mean, look, he reinvented himself, and we've seen a lot of artists from that period now do similar albums. I mean, even singers like Van Morrison and so on have done their albums featuring a whole bunch of guests, you know. Um, yeah. Eric Clapton has had a number of guests. Uh, he did an album with B.B. King, of course, and... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it, it's an interesting concept, and it's a rebirth. Like, it's not just, as I said, it's not just a rehash um, of the stuff that he was doing before, it is a, a whole. It's a brand new Santana, and Definitely. I think it brought into a whole new audience. Definitely not wrong. Yeah, this brought in his a, a more youthful audience. Mm. Uh, yes, it was a shift in char. Sorry, a shift in 
style from his previous stuff, but it was also a welcoming change. And it's not it's not alienating his old fans too much either. You know, it still had. It some was of enough the old of the ones. Santana feel and sound. I mean, his guitar is a unique, like a lot of great guitarists, they have a unique style and sound. It's the tuning, it's the equipment, it's the guitar itself, it's the way they play, the mm. style that they've learned. You can hear a lot of Santa. You know, you hear them in the background. Think that's Carlos Santana. You can recognise in many cases. It's so. almost like the vocal range. You can hear yeah, Robert Plant yeah, yeah. or whatever, and go, okay, yep, that's yep. Robert Plant singing that's over Robert there. Plant. Yeah, you know, um, oh, that's Chris Cornell. Well, that's yep. Carlos Santana, and his guitar He's, is definitely one of the ones you will never mistake. Yep, and him um, with his Les Paul just standing up there, and, and it's just it like set that. the scene for many future collaborative efforts. As I said, not just by Santana. I mean, Santana's probably gone a bit too overboard with some of yeah, them, as definitely. we discussed earlier. But um, yeah, it, it's a it's a great album. It is a great album. The album was so impressive. You mentioned Eric Clapton before, also in emulating the style mm. with BB King. Uh, he, after winning the record of nine Grammys, which hasn't been beaten yet, he came off the Grammys and Eric Clapton actually approached him and said, we have to do a song together. I was so oh, impressed yeah. by your album. We have to do a song. And that's where the last track, Recalling. which was a bonus track, yeah, mm. they, did a, they just did a separate recording and they ended up adding it to the legacy version hmm. and i believe that's like a 13 minute track or something like that you know so it is and when you listen to the cd it goes silent and you think oh that's it mm. and it seems to kick in i haven't listened to it on the cd version for a while but it seems to kick in a lot longer than the normal gap between tracks that you get on a cd and all of a sudden this track starts and you go oh. <laughs> it's interesting how they used to do things with cds uh, like they, the way that they could hide stuff hmm. you know I, I remember there'd be some musicians would have five seconds of silence and they would repeat that track for like 20 tracks Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're on track 63 and you're like what the hell what's going on here you know <laughs> um, another band Typo Negative for example they had a joke from their 96 release and the opening track just had the album skipping <laughs> <laughs> which of course now when you're listening to it you know uh, 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 yeah funny but back then everyone was returning the CDs thinking that they had a faulty CD so yeah look like you said uh, there was a extended gap for the last track on the uh, CD version before the calling came in and it's interesting to get uh, it's interesting sorry to get the physical media and see the minor differences between, say, that and, well, Spotify or one of the other ones like mm, that. Mm, mm. Uh, but yes, it's uh, this is just, wow. There's nothing really wrong with this album. No. Um, everything just fell into the right place when writing and recording this. Do you think there's any wrong tracks, I should really say, in <laughs> yes, regards right. to this? I don't think there's any duds on this. I mean, uh, you know, it's. I mean, some people could argue. Look, it's too commercial. It, you know, certainly as I said, it was FM friendly. It was designed for that. Um, mm. You know, um, video version of songs as well, playing. You know, on heavy rotation on on channels that play. You know, video music or shows that play video music. Yeah, um, definitely. And it's just an album that you could pick as a to play on the radio, almost any track. But I mean the. He's, yeah, you know, obviously the big hit, the outstanding track, Smooth, um, 
I mean, it is. It is smooth. <laughs> it is. It describes that album. I mean, I wonder. I, I wonder called... if the radio station Smooth FM actually took their name from just that yeah. one track. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the album's called Supernatural, but it could be called Smooth because yeah. <laughs> it's not just a title, not just having a title track. But... I think the other thing that they said out of this album was it kind of ushered in adult contemporary rock. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and this whole every artist from the seventies producing um a more smooth well, yeah, more smooth, no pun intended, mm-hmm. um, sound to their previous works, I guess, you know, and with uh, probably a handful of exceptions, maybe Led Zeppelin. Uh, sorry, 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 uh Deep Purple, mm. who still seem to well, turn turn up to eleven. <laughs> but no you know uh, most most artists uh, I could think of who are still managing to record stuff have kind of mellowed out as he would as he really would yeah well they're getting on I mean, yeah they're getting on in their time so. I mean if you look at Robert Plant you mentioned him before you know and his material now is almost bluegrass um, yeah. and he's had some brilliant solo albums in the last few years and I know fans would very disappointed when you know, Led Zeppelin did reform in 2007 for the uh, Erdogan um, tribute concert, and it was great. It was good to see them with um, Jason Bonham on drums, the son of John. But supposedly he was being you know chased, hounded by the other members of the band as well as record executives and touring managers. Um, oh, offered millions and millions of dollars to take that show on the road and you know do a world tour, 120 concerts or whatever. And, I would not do it. I mean, look, if they came out 100%, I would buy it. But to be honest, I know that they just would be a shadow of themselves. Yeah, their former yeah. themselves. And I think it took a lot of guts for them to walk away from such money. Well, Page but, was supposedly, you know, keen to do it. In fact, he even talked about getting another singer. But uh, Led Zeppelin without Robert Plant's not Led Zeppelin. Yeah, um, it'd be like without and, Jimmy Page, uh, is it really Led Zeppelin? Is yeah. it, without any one of those, well, like, remaining I mean, three. Page did an album of Led Zeppelin covers with black crows oh yeah at yeah, the greek live at the greek yeah live album that was good i mean you know they, they did a good version a good track of that a good um mm. that's also you're talking about things they do with cds that album itself has a hidden dvd or video of uh, a track from that concert okay. you know i've had that album for years i, I i'm damned if i can find where it is <laughs> i put it on computer and i'm trying to find this hidden track Oh, I mean, you can get it on YouTube. Yeah, now, it'll so probably be on some weird platform <laughs> like that. The When I was going through the track list, and I said this also on my retro review, for me, the weakest link is Do You Like The Way, uh, which was a song featuring Lauren Hill and CeeLo Green, both of whom were... Yeah, they would become highly controversial artists in the future. Lauren Hill was still controversial at the time, Massive for her time, but controversial. She would do the rounds of not appearing at concerts and stuff like that, just do no-shows or turn up two hours late. There was even her, of course, as I mentioned, the MTV Unplugged incident where she would go on 12-minute rants between songs about nothing. And look, probably mental issues there. I'm not going to say too much more, but... <laughs> anyway, but CeeLo Green, if you don't know, he's probably been off the radar on purpose for a long time. He did a bit of a rap career in his 90s, but he also did... Um, shit, what's the name of that song? Um, doesn't matter. He wrote some song that was a big hit. He was a on America's Got Talent for a while. Then he did a couple of tweets that were very... Um, very risque. 
and he got skinned alive in the media for that and good because for what he said yeah mm-hmm. that shit ain't welcome here so this is another album they feature a song which talks about carlos santana what was that sorry <laughs> this is another song i think is it maria maria i think is it they they actually mentioned the guitar of carlos santana oh yeah yeah it was <laughs> with carlos santana yeah that was another one product gmb was another one i thought was not it's an okay track but the artists themselves are very odd people that's a Product GMB, I think it's Wycliffe Jean, who actually ran for president of Haiti in 2012. So before Kanye West could do Kanye, there's um, Wycliffe Jean or something. As far as the album goes, look, I made the joke before, but there's barely any tracks here except for one, in my opinion, that are just weak. Mm. You know, every there's not there's not much wasted space. No, and most of the guest artists are... I mean, you know, he's got... Uh... Dave Matthews and Carter Beaufort from mm. the Dave Matthews band, you know. Um, Even the Everlast, the the you know tracks like with Clapton, Everlast and stuff like that, you know. Uh, Everlast at the time was this weird, well, he was an acoustic kind of rapper, and it just does this great gravelly voice singing through that track. Mm. You know, put your lights on. He just does this. Put your lights on. Yeah. You know, does a ser- serenading kind of voice. And yeah, you know, it's a really, it's a really incredible album. Really, mm. for me, I'm look, easily this is pure spice. Yeah, I, I, I gave it a five hours, but I think pure spice. I, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I gave it a, I suppose pepper spray on your scale, but um, I think you have to say it is pure spice. I mean, it was really a strong, strong comeback album, and an album that still. still rewards playing today you know definitely the other thing as well this might be a little bit controversial among some Santana listeners if you were to have someone approach you didn't know who Santana was but wanted to get into them would you point to Supernatural as the first album or would you point elsewhere because for me I look at Supernatural as the perfect way to start on listening to uh, Santana I think you know. 21st century Santana is, mm. you know, that's is typified and, and very good on this um, supernatural album. Um, obviously, some of their first three albums represents probably more of their original style, their Latin jazz um, influence. The problem with doing an album like this, though, of course, is it's very hard to replicate a lot of it on the road. Indeed, and Santana, you know, as I said very early i've been i've seen them live a couple of times and uh this is before supernatural and um they uh, you know great live band i mean they've got a fantastic you know percussion and you know there's yeah. the whole lot uh, the Chester percussion Thompson, sections think, off yeah. the hill they've probably got six people backup singers yeah. and all the rest yeah. but some of that type of material when you've got a whole lot of guest artists featuring you know you've got i mean people who have got like Everlast, as you said, who's got their particular voice and style? A bit hard to replicate that live. And I think on some of the future live albums that he does, the only times he really does his songs from his newer age stuff is when the artist is with yeah, him. Yeah, when the artist is there. You know, yeah. um, I think Will I Am joins him in one of the tracks, which mm-hmm. Will I Am was on one of the tracks. I think on All That I Am or whatever. And you look at it and go, okay, well, that's cool, but I would like to hear Maria Maria or whatever. Mm-hmm. No chance, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit unfortunate, I guess, 
and like I said, hard to replicate. But at the same time, we do have the studio albums, I guess, to lean back on. Uh, whether or not that's the best of things, nah, that's up to you to decide, I guess. But yeah, it's listen, the highlight of Studio Santana. Yes, the highlight of Studio Santana. If we went through the live records, we would have way too much time to be doing that. <laughs> but, of course, there is the live record that just came out as well. I think it was... Um, I think it just popped out. It was called... What is it? Sorry. Public Magic private love and i think it i couldn't find out when it was recorded i think it was the 80s or something like that judging by the set list uh but i would just say look if you want to hear a new new live album hit them up pretty good pretty good version you know decent set list there as well of course so that i think does it for part one of the santana rankings we will of course be rejoining you guys in a couple of weeks time when we do the rest of the albums all the way up till I think 1980 so we're going to be covering the 90s and the 80s Santana which would be very interesting I guess to some to see where we rank them so was thanks for joining me on this episode this special episode thank you it's been enjoyable going back and listening to um, some of those albums in fact one or two of them I hadn't really listened to a lot when they first came out anyway so it was Mm. good to good to listen to that i mean you know santana's always enjoyable to listen to definitely and people if you haven't heard of santana go in have a listen to santana get out of that rock that well, you're from also see if you get a copy of or you know, listen uh, the, the woodstock track <laughs> the yeah track the woodstock uh, version very uh, other, true they and you know people like hendrix really made themselves at uh, woodstock they definitely had a funny uh, he had a funny story in regards to woodstock how he came in a day or so before Woodstock, and Jerry Gar- he bumped into Jerry Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> from Grateful yeah, Dead. From Grateful Dead. And he's like, oh, yeah, you want some of this? Yeah. And it was acid. Drop this. Yeah, drop this acid. And he's doing the math in his head, and he's like, okay, I don't have to perform for like 14 hours, so I should be fine. So he drops this acid with him. And then he goes, all I remember was being high and then turning to someone turning to me going if you don't get on stage now they're cancelling you <laughs> and he goes and I was still high and, and he-, <laughs> he was playing one of the best live sets I've probably seen him do <laughs> but he goes oh, I looked down at my guitar at one stage and it was like a snake, snake wrangling in my right. <laughs> <laughs> which would see, which would make sense I guess with a lot of Grateful Dead material too <laughs> I mean it just I suppose a lot of these guys, you wind them up and send them out stage. It shows what professional um, musicians they are. <laughs> I don't really regard it as being professional, getting off your face before you're going. A lot of people are paying to see you. And I've seen a few artists sometimes which are who are well under the weather. Mm. And you think, hang on, I pay, I've shelled out all this money. I, I, I want to see you perform at your best. I don't want to see you drinking bloody bourbon straight out of a Jack Daniels bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some stages, of course, but... Luckily enough, Woodstock was one of those yeah, defining of those moments, yeah. I guess. So, yeah, look, if you haven't heard of Santana, I would probably say Supernatural would be a good start. Woodstock, live Woodstock album. Um, but, yeah, look, tune in to us. We'll probably be back in about, I'd say, what, six weeks' time to carry on with the second part. And in about another six weeks after that, we'll do the third and final part and that's definitely going to be the hardest part <laughs> containing some of their earliest material. So, people and Chili Con Carnage crew, thank you very much for tuning in to this episode. This has been 
a nice episode with Chili and Woz here. And everyone, stay spicy. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you for watching this video. If you have enjoyed it, please consider liking it and sharing it with your friends. And also don't forget to subscribe to our Chili Con Carnage crew to stay updated on our newest videos. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Live Listener Race. Please join us on those media platforms for all kinds of updates and discussions regarding music. And as always, stay spicy. <laughs>